The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. With nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, low country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business Brought to you by College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work. They're ready to make an impact, and happy 2020 to you. I'm one of the hosts, Eric Cox, here this morning with the lovely, the talented, the one and only. I am Leslie Haywood, and thank you so much for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And make sure and continue the fun beyond Saturday mornings, and find us on our Facebook page, Beyond the Business, or talk to us on Twitter. Holy cow, happy 2020. And not only is it 2020, it's the start of our sixth season here on Beyond the Business, which we're really excited about. You haven't fired me? I haven't fired you yet, but we are going to cut your payback a little bit. Oh, and, no. And as we mentioned many times over the uh, remainder of 2019, we're really excited to have uh, a new sponsor this year, the College of Charleston School of Business. A lot of amazing things lined up uh, with them as a partner in this in this project, and so we're excited to unfold 2020 ahead of us. I know. I'm excited for this year. This is great. And so to kick off 2020, we're really excited. Speaking of the College of Charleston, uh, we actually have uh, one of the folks that's over there on the Board of Governors at the School of Business with us this morning, a friend of mine, somebody I'm very excited to have on because I've been (laughs) asking her to come on this show for a while. And so we're going to be really excited to have that opportunity to go through this process today with Katarina Fjording, who is from Volvo Cars. You probably know that name. And as our tagline says, people you know, stories you don't. So we're excited to hear some stories from Katarina today. But before we do a real quick uh, rundown on our last show from Justin Bad, any takeaways uh, that you have, Leslie? Yes, of course. His story was so inspirational with its twists and turns and life's curveballs, like literally in his dream of playing professional baseball was dashed in an instant with one injury that took him out and... Um, put him on a path that nobody could have predicted and you'll have to listen to the podcast at coastalwm.com for the full story but in the end his desire to better connect with his children brought him to the wonderful place that he's at now which is not only being an amazing present father in his own children's lives but his job is now to um, help other fathers in the low country and around the world become better connected with their children so that was really inspirational on how he took something that could have been so tragic and took him could have taken him down a dark path and turned it into something amazing well he certainly has turned the ideal of being present and intentional in your children's lives to a whole nother level and he's inspiring folks all around the world uh, doing tedx talks on it they're creating um on the omni channel that platform that they're doing the daddy saturday books that he's written 
so again, if you missed that show, simply go on our website at coastalwm.com, click on that radio icon, and listen to that great show that Justin was able to leave us with right there before year end and the kick off the new year. But yes. now it's time to turn the page. Turn the page to a whole nother show. Again, Katarina, we're so excited to have you here this morning. Hello, thank you for having me. We've been trying to get you on this show for a while, haven't we? <laughs> I know. You've been really nagging me. And so we had to drag her in here this morning. So we're excited, Katarina. And as we usually do, um, uh, again, most people know you from Volvo, right, here in South Carolina. You were uh, one of the key people, obviously, a part of bringing Volvo here and running Volvo. But before we even talk about any of that fun stuff, what we really want to talk about is you and your background. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So can you tell us where you were born? Give people a little background on early, early life. I grew up in Sweden's second largest city, Gothenburg. That is on the Swedish west coast facing the North Sea. Um, beautiful. I spend most of my summers up the coast in the very extensive archipelago, barren granite cliffs, just the way I like it. And so give us a little flavor what life was like as a youngster in your household, your family. Um, I did not grow up in a very traditional household, let's just say that. My parents are quite special, I would call it that, and I was mainly <laughs> raised by my grandmother. Um, and I did start to take care of myself at a quite young age. So from 13 years old, I was quite independent I started working for money when I was already nine. So I was doing farm work uh, all my holidays, and I actually got paid a little money for driving tractors and milking cows and being a farmhand. Did you have any brothers and sisters in the in the house that you had no. to... No, you're an only child? Yes, I did have uh, various step-siblings. So give us a sense for like activities. Obviously, you were working... Uh, What other things were you involved with as a kid in terms of activities? Um, A lot of, I love outdoors, so I did a lot of outdoor things, obviously. Um, Like helping out, like to fix things, so mending stuff, anything that's broken, problem solver. Um, (laughs) I did short track running. Uh, I was really, really fast, uh, even faster than the boys. Then my knees got bad, so I started playing bandy and ice hockey instead. I know it sounds weird, but it actually works. (laughs) (laughs) now from an academic standpoint how were you in school as a youngster um our class generically because some of us we actually went to little school or play school whatever you call it uh, and then we went nine years in elementary school together some of us and we were quite difficult group as some teachers thought because we're very inquisitive we was questioning things and little quiet rebellious just, you know, playing the devil's advocate on everything that was said. So um, I had very good grades. Um, it was a little too easy the first years in school. We made, made it harder when you go to higher education or, or next step level education because you actually have to study more. Uh, than. Yeah. But, yeah, we did, we did good, I think. And um, it, was, um, it was exciting. So, Katarina, as a kid... Thinking about your future, thinking about when you grew up, what was it you wanted to be? Um, first, I wanted to be a farmer. <laughs> I guess from because that's what you knew, right? That, right? Yeah, but I, I like animals, and I think it's a, it's it's a, you know I like to be in nature, and it's a very natural way of 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 uh, of growing up, spending your time 
in nature and dealing with the things that you're going to eat or, or that supplies things that we actually need. Uh, later on, I wanted to be a barrister. What's I like to argue. You so. like to argue. So yes. a, a lawyer, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. And that was in high school? Yes. And I uh, actually it was almost before that. So it's, you know, early teens. Um, I actually, my dream was to study at Oxford and Harvard. Obviously, when you come from Sweden, that's not easy. Our studies are for free. But when it comes to traveling abroad and study there, obviously, um, our financial situation doesn't typically support that. So, um, and then halfway into that mid-teen, I decided, no, let's do something where I get an occupation faster. So, and I like to, I like technique. So, and I was good at math and physics. So, I decided to become an engineer instead, mechanical engineer. Now, was there at this point in your life, who were your biggest role models as far as adults? I know you said your parents were special, but was who um, did you look up to? And was there anybody that role modeled some of these decisions for you? I had um, one of my stepfathers was very instrumental during my teenage years. Mm -hmm. Um, He's an engineer himself. Um, His two sons have a doc- nowadays doctor and professor titles. They are architects and, uh, you know, PhDs in in various uh, close to engineering subjects. So we always joke, I collect corporate titles and they collect uh, academic titles. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, he had a positive influence on, you know, pra- pragma- pragmatism around mm-hmm. what you want to okay. be and and study. You study a lot, and I was working nights while I was studying and then doing sports. So, um, and then some time for partying as well. It's important. <laughs> well rounded you were. Yeah. So, <laughs> very well rounded. He, uh, he was very nice to have him in my life. Um, and we are still very close. So. so, when you were getting your degree in mechanical engineering, did you have an idea or a thought of what you were going to do with that? What specific no. niche? Okay. No, I. Uh, I actually, well, as when you study, first you study very generic, and then you specialize. So you don't have to specialize the first two years. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was natural to become a mechanical engineer. I, th- I thought I think that was the most interesting portion. And then I decided, you know, I just really want to work after that. So I became a consultant so that I can try different things. And where were you living at this time? In Gothenburg. In Gothenburg. Okay. And what was your first experience leaving your hometown? Um, <laughs> I was actually driving a Saab in those days, believe it or not. Yes, also a Swedish car, but um, they were very uh, cheap and you can get a used one and it was very easy to repair, like an old one. So uh, I was uh, offered a job in France and I hadn't studied French in 12 years, so... I was a little rusty on that. Um, I just packed up the car and drove down to Paris. Basically, it was uh, it was quite cool. And then I um, I was put up in an apartment um, by the company temporarily until I found my own home. Uh, and I shared it with a uh, young Chinese woman who was actually doing an internship at the company. So she came from the mountains in China, and that was my first real, um, should I say encounter with Chinese culture. She came from very, very poor family. And in those days, obviously, um, everyone wanted a boy because they could only have one child. And they got a daughter and they decided to keep her. And she really wanted to make them proud. So she was 
you know, go working at, you know, at the home in, in the mountains and then going down to school every day, studied hard. And her teacher was so impressed by her that they tried to get her a scholarship or an internship. So she got both. And got to go to France, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's amazing for her. So yeah. every every penny that she got, I helped her. She didn't have a car, so I used to take her when I go shopping. And then she shopped, and um, I, I kind of gave her some of my receipts so she can get reimbursement for those. The ones that didn't include wine, obviously, because <laughs> that would be too suspicious. <laughs> and um, every penny she had, she sent home. Wow. Um, and later on, she actually got a fixed job at this um, at this company. And met a, a Chinese guy who had a similar story working for another company. So they had really good jobs and could be make their family very proud. It was cool. And we had we had little uh, political debates on Sundays. So Sunday we sat and listened to um, Chinese radio, and she translated. Um, wow. Yes, um, and we were debating, you know, pros and cons of communism and various things it was interesting exactly the same kind of stuff i was doing right after college <laughs> oh by sure the way, Leslie, right in case exactly. you're wondering yeah. yes you're very cerebral <laughs> like that right <laughs> so <laughs> talk a little bit about um your first roles i mean you you've gone into the, the the automobile business pretty much the car business industry right after schooling right yeah. so you've been in that your whole entire life yeah um what were the early years like in that industry by the way an industry that um we must know is was completely male dominated too, correct? Yes, yeah. It was uh, very very few women, uh, especially in on the engineering side. And uh, after I moved to France, I spent most of my time working all over Europe, and especially in Germany. And the com the German side of the company, I had two women literally, and that's all I saw. So so yeah, I um. And what company was this at the time that you were working with? It was called Sommer Alibert, which okay. is uh, Farisha today, okay. uh, which yeah. is one of the largest yeah. uh, automotive suppliers. So they're tier one suppliers to the automotive industry. And they make uh, mainly plastic injection components. Actually, they make um, some of the world's best uh, plastic furniture as well. And they also make, um, you know, those little pieces that your makeup comes in, like a lipstick. Yeah, and it's such precision on those tools. You can imagine how it fits together perfectly. So I learned a lot there. And by the way, in case you're wondering whose accent that is you're listening to this morning, <laughs> that is Katarina Fjording, who is from Volvo Cars, and uh, certainly listening to her here on Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. Yes. Now, how old were you during this time? So people can get an idea of, uh, was this 20s, early 20s? Yes. And did you have any, did you have any men working under you at this time um i mean this had to have been an interesting time. let's just say my job was that like this it's a weird mm -hmm. young swedish woman sent by the french mm -hmm. to tell the germans what not to do <laughs> right yeah excellent Sounds like a great formula right <laughs> yeah. yeah great formula for success it's, when i came back um i was um one of the my former boss have all wanted me to have a job in a project and I wanted another project. And then he said, no, no, this is going to be so much easier for you. And you know who's running this other project. And he's so tough. And, and you know, he's not known for liking women. I said, I don't care because he's straightforward. And I want to have that project. And there's nothing he can do to me that haven't been done already. So that was... <laughs> 
And so did you get that project? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, as your time early years or progressing along in the industry, talk a little bit about um, what it was like for you to um, work under a large corporation, corporate environment. Uh, what did that mean to you? I don't think I ever thought about it like that, but it was huge because in those days Volvo was um, Volvo was source of Volvo trucks, Volvo Penta, which both engines, Volvo construction equipment. So, so it's a huge group. And um, when Ford bought us, you could see grown men crying because, you know, we were being separated mm-hmm. as a group. I actually thought it was interesting because you had so many different opportunities and different routes you can go down and. Um, it's certainly, you know, giving me a lot of opportunities, um, trying to live in different places, especially now when we decide to expand more globally. So, And how many places in the world have you actually <laughs> I lived? Know. Well, officially lived, I lived in France and um, in Asia, in Shanghai. Um, I lived in Detroit, Chicago, uh, but I also inadvertently lived in Germany and in England for a while as well. Now, going through the ranks, obviously you have um, had people working for you from all over the world. Is there any advice or anything that you can give to our listeners about how to deal with different personalities, different cultures? What has helped you be successful in trying to navigate having so many different types of people um, working under you? And being think, a leader in that role. Yeah, I think you really have to use adaptive leadership. Where one size does not fit all. Uh, at the same time, I think for me, diversity is not about it's all women or this or that. For me, diversity is to dare to surround yourself with people who are different than yourself. Um, so they will compliment you. And then also um, they question you. Um, it's it's healthy being challenged on a daily basis. <laughs> even though we might just be tiresome. Um, I think adaptive leadership where I call it steal, beg, and borrow. It's like you stroke the cat in one direction and the other one. and <coughs> Sorry, you tickle them and, you know, you play with the whiskers. <laughs> you have to try different methods depending on who it is. Um, not everyone uh, runs on the same fuel, so to say. People get energized by different things and people have very different, you know, average mood and... You have to try and make that work and then also try and make them work together as well. Not, it's not just about you. It's about how they collaborate together as well. So, Katarina, to accomplish certainly what you have in your life, it, it's extraordinary. What what would you say at the core of all of your success is your driving, motivating factors? What has really allowed you to be as successful as you have? I don't know because I haven't really... Um, said, oh, I'm going to be this next step and this next step. I try to let the work speak for itself. Um, I I really like to work, and I think that has helped. Sure. I really love working uh, and always have. Um, I think courage and integrity is very important, and for me, that's always been a guiding star. I want to be able to look myself in the mirror when I go to bed and when I wake up. It's like I did the right thing for the company, etc., and, you know, it's not always popular to be the truth teller, but for me, that has been important. Um, I have not sold my, <laughs> sold my soul, soul to the yeah. devil. 
Yeah, that's important. Yes, yes, yes. So now as you're going up through the ranks, let's say, you know, we've talked about your 20s and 30s. Like, where where were you at this point? Maybe That was only a couple of years ago. I know, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so during during the, you know, maybe 30s and 40 years, how where were you at you, that time? I mean, you know better than I do because yeah. you probably have... My bio. We have everything. About I you. do we have know everything, everything about you. but yeah, I want to share. I want to remember where I was at <laughs> different times. <laughs> what would you say as you're coming through your life in in this profession? Um, as we all are shaped and formed by experiences, uh, and I'm sure I know from having time with you, you have a lot of stories. Um, think of a time as you're coming through, um, whether it was something that was a learning opportunity. Or maybe even a mistake that you made that you learned from that has stuck with you throughout your years of you obviously gone to the level that you have. When you look back in those early days, is there something that really sticks out of a turning moment for you? Hmm. It's a tough question, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Good. I got to ask the tough question. (laughs) I don't think it's a turning moment. I just think that deciding to go abroad was important. I think you people have a lot of opinions about all kinds of things, include I do too. I'm very opinionated. I just think it's you should you should understand more what you're talking about uh, when you question things. And I think being a I call myself a global citizen, and I hang with Republicans and Democrats. A global I, citizen, I, I, I'm like, like Switzerland, not Sweden. It's like <laughs> Switzerland. Everyone's welcome. But I just think it's to explore and be curious. And see what's out there has has been very important. And taking that first step the first time, once you've done it once, it's easier. It's like, you know, jumping off a cliff or or diving from a high height. Once you've done it, you know, you know what it's like and you can do it again. And I think that has been very important. You know, I am, um, I've sp- had the pleasure spending time with you, right? And I am intrigued always by the level of belief and confidence you have in yourself. Um, and I'm sure there's people out here who are coming through the ranks of a company or they're just started their own business or whatever it may be, where that's sort of shaky in their confidence and belief in themselves. For you, Katarina, what is it that, that gives you the ability to have that stern ability and belief in who you are? Um, yeah, I feel, um, secure in myself, you know, um, but that doesn't happen overnight, right? How did that develop? I don't know. I think I have been like that a very long time, even when I was a kid, because I had to be take care of myself a lot. And uh, uh, I think from from that perspective, I got the best of my parents in terms of uh, what do you call it, shutpa and and gumchin mm-hmm. and 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 drive. But you have all with, without the manic <laughs> side, sort of. Right. Right. But right. I yeah. I think you. Taking care of yourself a lot uh, has helped, but also, you know, I, I like accountability. And if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. You don't have to overthink it. Now, someone that might want to get into the same industry as you've gotten into, is there any advice that you would give on today's culture or climate? I think in today's the culture is much more gentle than the one I had. But at the same time, it's also more complicated because you have to be very sensitive. Right. You cannot joke the way we used to joke. I think you can't take things too personal. Corporate business is not personal. There's a lot of politics and you you have to write it out. So don't take it personal. Sleep on it. Count to 10 or 100 before you send an answer to the email. (laughs) Right? Right? (laughs) We should all, yes. yes. And also seek advice. Uh, If you feel, uh, you know, unsure about something, um, 
have a group of people um, around you who are different and, uh, you know, exchange thoughts with them. So as we're almost out of time here today, I'm sure our listeners would love to know about your journey and how that led you to South Carolina. Obviously, as Volvo became uh, um, uh, a business and an opportunity for our community, talk a little bit about that moment of coming to South Carolina when you found out you were coming to South Carolina. Obviously, a big change from a lot of the places you've been all over the world. Yes, I came. Actually, I lived in Chicago and Detroit before, so Midwest <laughs> is very different from the South. Uh, I learned that in many ways. Um, and I was living in China, in Shanghai. And when we got the word that we were allowed to build a plant here, I got the question if I want to, you know, head up that. And that was very cool because I was very pleased going back to the U.S. And this is like an opportunity of a lifetime to get to do something like this. And I've been thinking we really need to do it as well. So it was a good fit. Um when had you I, ever had you ever spent any time in South Carolina before that? No. Okay. So it was my first time we came here and scouted because we had some other sites and the last the last two contestants were really Savannah and Charleston. And I had two of my bosses with me and I knew that one of them he was more prone to one side. So I I sort of told the other one. I said it's a slam dunk, right? We're doing Charleston. Yes, and he's like, "Yes, I'm with you." It's it was it was very cool. Um, I was charmed by the South in general, but the people here are are great, and uh, I think former Governor Haley did an extraordinary job. She went the extra mile. She went to Sweden. She met with the bosses. That she really ran her team like a business and tried to understand what is important to this company getting here. And that made a difference too. And they had our back since day one, the state. So, And there's so many community leaders and other business leaders here who've been extremely supportive. It's, and I think that's going to be important for our show next week. Yeah, I, I know, I can't wait. That. Like how that got started in yes. the community. And obviously it takes a village, right, to, to do something like and bring a plant Absolutely. to that magnitude. So uh, we're excited. Unfortunately, we're out of time. That goes by very fast. Yeah. Your life in 28 minutes. I Katarina. know. Uh, but we've ex- <laughs> we've appreciated having you here today again. You've been listening to Katarina Fjording from Volvo Cars. Uh, and we're excited to have her back, if she will come back, next Saturday morning to tell the rest of the story here on Beyond the Business. And make sure and follow us on our Facebook page, Beyond the Business, and on Twitter. Again, thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, presented by the College of Charleston School of Business. And we'll look forward to having you back next Saturday morning here on 94.3 WSC. And until then, Low Country. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. With nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.